Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Happy Monday, everyone, and welcome into the Gramlich and McLean podcast brought to you by Duke's Mayo. It is time to break down what we saw on Saturday night in Charlotte. A fun game, at least for the first three quarters, I would say, between Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. Pitt wins the ACC championship 45-21 to over the Deeks. Mac, you were there. You saw it in person. Your suit was fire. What was <laughs> the game like? What was your experience? Yeah, KG, it was so great to be back in person with the whole team, ACC championship. The vibes were, they were amazing, and, and the crowd was fantastic. It was probably right about 70% full and really 50-50. I mean, both fan bases were super loud, very energetic, and I was actually very proud of you know Wake Forest staying as long as they did. You know, that they were right there up until the very end, a very big portion of their fans. So it was great to see that support because these these young men deserve it, and it's uh it's not something that happens every year, so I'm glad that all the fans you know, really got the most out of it. It was really cool to see, but it was electric. It was a great game. Thought Pitt, and we'll break it down more, but Pitt really made great adjustments and, and got it going accordingly uh, right after that first quarter. They did. They definitely did. Started the game off with a bang, uh, the fake slide, which fake slide gate, we'll, we'll get to that. And Mac, before we get to both of our thoughts on some of the biggest news of the weekend. We're actually recording this late Sunday night because Mac and the bros just finished up the huddle selection special, which was awesome on ACC network and it's airing right now. So you, well, you can't hear this because you're hearing this on Monday. So I wouldn't say go watch it right now. Cause that makes no sense, but I think it's still airing right now. Um, before we talk about Brent Venables, which is the other big news, let's talk to our listeners about Duke's Mayo. Mac, I was so excited to get home today. I've been gone for a couple days. I walk in, boom, Duke's Mayo swag and mayo and Carolina gold sauce and mustard. You know, I'm a huge mustard person. I'm very excited to try the Chipotle mustard. I open up that pack. Oh man, it was great. And we know, as we've told you guys, Eugenia Duke, who again, I, I wish I could meet, Lived in Greenville, South Carolina back in the day. She made sandwiches in her home kitchen to sell to Army canteens during World War I. And they were so good that years later, the soldiers wrote back to her and begged, begged for the spread, <laughs> the mayo that she used on these sandwiches. She began bottling it and selling it back in the 1920s. And here we are today with not just mayo, but sauces and spreads and all sorts of delicious items. Come on, KG. Well, I'm excited to finally get home. I, I've been on the road since like Wednesday. I've been gone. So I'm excited to get back. Hopefully a little care package there for me as well. And really just to experiment with this stuff. You guys know I like to throw down on the grill and now going to have some new fun sauces and condiments to really, you know, just add and enhance the things that I do there. And I'll share that with you guys, of course, all over social media, on Instagram and Twitter. But really, KG, can't wait for this bowl game. I mean, we have a fascinating battle Honestly, whoever wins the game, I think they're called Carolina moving forward. That's Ooh. how we're going to do it with South Carolina and North Carolina. We'll touch on that briefly here when we get going. But it's going to be a fantastic bowl game. The Dukes Mayo Bowl, Charlotte, North Carolina. Cannot wait for that game. Dukesmayo.com. Head to that website. Enter the Y'all Star sweepstakes to win a VIP experience to the Dukes Mayo Bowl in the battle between Carolina and Carolina. 
You know what I really love about what Duke's Mayo Bowl put out today on social media? The fact that they had their chairman, Big Danny, come out and say, listen, guys, this is what we're doing. If somebody, it doesn't have to be a head coach, if somebody gets Mayo dumped on them for a celebratory win, they're giving you $10,000 for the charity of your choice. I thought that that was excellent. It's great marketing. It's great incentive. And it's helping out a great charity of your choice and, you know, it's, it's probably good for your skin. I, th- I think it's very moisturizing to have made like all over your body. So why not? Somebody's going to do it. I guarantee it. Mac, I know the second you were done with a game, you were always thinking, how can I moisturize? Right. That was your first thought. <laughs> My first thought is where the heck is a big tub of mayo I can just dump all over <laughs> myself? That, that's what I always think of after a game. <laughs> of course. OK, speaking of this game, let's break down Pittsburgh and Wake Forest. We both picked Pitt. OK, we both thought Pitt would win the game. I did not think it would end up being a blowout. And this game really wasn't a blowout until the end because of Sam Hartman's interceptions. It was close all the way through the end of that third quarter, basically. And at times, I thought Wake was really in command when they were up 21-14 to in the first half. We know the interceptions ended up being a deciding factor. But I want to start with the big controversy of the game. Kenny Pickett's fake slide. Fair or foul, Mac? In the moment, I loved it. I thought the broadcast crew did a great job of hyping it up. It was a great play, but it should have been illegal. It should have been blown dead. Maybe not a flag. Maybe a flag. I don't I don't know if there actually is a rule or not. And There's going to be a picket rule now. There will be. I, I'm not sure if there is one or not, but it should have been blown dead. But when the quarterback gives themselves up, the play's over. You can't touch them. It's done. And, and Kenny hesitating, leaning backward, initiating a slide, it should have been called dead right there. But – I don't care about any of that. I'm an offensive guy. I love it. It was, it was so such cool. a good play. It was so swaggy. I mean, it was a Heisman moment. It really was. And and for him to do that in his last game uh, for ACC play was fantastic. I, I absolutely loved it. And we asked him about it. He said, I've never done that in my life. I don't know what made me think about doing it, but I saw the defense kind of slowing up. And so I just said, I'm just going to keep going. And it worked out perfectly. I think it's the second longest run in ACC football championship game history, right behind, guess who? Travis Etienne, first play of scrimmage against Pitt in 2018. So it's fascinating to see that. What a great heads-up play by Kenny. It honestly made me think of the Etienne run because it was also on the first drive of the game. So it was very similar. What I think he's doing, I think he initially, his brain says, I'm going to slide. Oh, and I then think so too. I think he just makes the instinct play of their – I'm not going to slide. I think it's just fully instinct. I don't think he had it planned out at all. It was just, no, he's a football no. player. Yeah. Exactly. Just made a huge play. And, and I tell you what, KG, when, when you looked at this, you know, really both starts, I mean, it was fantastic. 21 mm-hmm. points, you know, for, from, you know, both of these teams very quickly getting on the board and just an explosion. I'm sitting here thinking like, oh my gosh, like this is going to be a 60 point game. This is exactly what I want to see offense all day. And, you know, I, I just cannot give enough credit to the Pittsburgh defense, to the Pittsburgh coaching staffs for making the adjustments that they did. Wake Forest did not score another point Mm. after the first quarter. I mean, it was unbelievable to see the effort and execution and really those guys just getting after it. I mean, we laid it out. We gave the blueprint for success for what Pitt needs to do to, to really, you know, just make these guys uncomfortable and not be able to move the ball. And that's move the line of scrimmage backwards, stop the run, get after Sam Hartman, and they did that to a T, KG. I thought that was one of the biggest issues was that Wake 
not only could they not run it, they didn't really try. And we saw that against Clemson. You know, it's it's when that triple option, and I, I don't want to call it gimmicky, but in some ways it is. And when you have a defense like that with a front seven like that, and you can't run it because the run sets up so much of what they do out of that offense, Mac. Yeah, no, no question. I'll tell you what, you mentioned that front seven. It, it's not in the stat sheet just because it's hard to keep up, I guess, pressures and QB hits and all that stuff. Pitt only registered, I believe it was five sacks. They hit Sam a ton. Yeah. They got after Sam a ton. And they hit that running back, whether it was an actual run or just a fake, they got them on the ground time and time again. And that's how you beat a triple option team, a Wake Forest zone option, whatever we want to call that. That's how you beat them. You hit the guys that could be carrying the ball no matter what. Just play assignment football, and Pitt did that to a T. Servasier Dennis, really, I mean, since the Clemson game, has, has been on fire, really, really playing strong, and they moved him to the inside. That young man's going to have a great year. If he decides to come back, I, I think he he might test the waters. We'll see. But if he decides to come back, he he's going to be a fantastic linebacker. I also felt like Pitt's DB settled in. Initially, a lot of PIs initially getting beat a little bit, but you know, Pat Narduzzi is not going to go away from what they do. They play man coverage. And I thought the pit DBs eventually delivered, especially with all those interceptions. I I think they delivered in terms of cover, not just the picks, right? The picks are flashy. The picks show up in the stat sheet, but I felt like they really did settle in in that second half. And no question about it. Being physical, pressing those guys in coverage, getting their hands on the football, knocking it down just locking guys up. And and when they did make big-time plays, they did, did make big-time catches, Wake Forest, Pitt was right there, tackled him immediately. Yeah. There, there was no yak. There was no yards after catch, no explosive plays after the catch was made. And, man, it, it was fun to watch, uh, you know, for, for a quarter for both teams and then the rest of the game for Pittsburgh and the execution that we saw from them defensively. And then, of course, the offense uh, did the rest of the job in the fourth quarter. I thought the end of the second quarter and the third quarter were really important. I thought Pitt getting the field goal, to kind of grab some momentum back before halftime was big. And then Wake punts on their first three possessions of the second half. And then on that fourth possession, you have the pick, the second pick. Hartman did throw one in the first half. After that pick, even though Pitt didn't score after that pick, they turned it over on downs, but it still felt like Pitt was in control. And then, Mac, what did you see? Like with Sam Hartman, we've talked with him so many times, and and we know he's had a tendency to – get interception happy. He ended up with a ton of interceptions in November. I think he led the nation in in November interceptions. And, you know, when it rains, it pours. Sometimes it just, things can go from bad to worse quickly. What did you see from Hartman in that kind of fourth quarter, if you will, where he really struggled with those interceptions? Yeah, well, well, here's the thing, KG. What what Pitt does is they go man-to-man, and then they kind of have like a high-low kind of safety look to where there is a guy kind of there scraping or a linebacker kind of scraping that – you know, it's kind of there to take some underneath routes, some some dig routes, some slants, things of that nature, um, which we see Wake Forest do time and time again. And what happens with Sam is he he didn't have the ability to step into his throws. He he was throwing awkwardly. His feet weren't set just because there was nowhere to go. And, and, and with the nature of their offense, the fact that he's scooting closer to the line of scrimmage to throw the ball, and that line of scrimmage is coming backwards – it, it was messing up a lot mechanically. And now th- this isn't a, a knock. It's just a fact. He, he does not have one of the stronger arms in the ACC. He needs to be able to step in and use all of his mechanics to you know, throw the ball with authority. And we saw you know, three, four times where 
he wasn't able to do that, and the ball was short or the ball was off target, and Pitt was in the right place at the right time. So it's super unfortunate. I mean, that, that man, Sam Hartman, is so special, so fun to watch, cares, great teammate, honestly a coach on the field, but you know, it just wasn't his night. And, and as you said, kind of a, a little bit of a struggle here the last month of the year. So I, I hope for him that in this team, man, we, we can just go into bowl season, go into bowl prep, just reset. Totally yeah. reset, finish strong, get it going, get a good taste in your mouth, and hopefully a handful of guys that can come back. And 22 offensively looks really good for Wake Forest. And you've got a chance to make a statement. You know, we always we always joke about the SEC, and, you know, I think a lot of those teams this year are overrated with all their bowl-eligible games and stuff, but or eligible teams. But beating A&M would be a statement. And you Huge. did it a couple of years ago in the Belk Bowl, so you might as well just do it again. Uh, and I know that, you know, this team, <laughs> sorry, now the Dukes Mayo Bowl, of course, the Belk Bowl is defunct. We don't speak of them. But it, they do have a chance. Like, the, that's what's beautiful about bowl season in a way. I know people want to hate on it, but if you lose your ACC title game, you still have a chance to make a statement. And Pitt does, too. Don't get me wrong. Pitt has a chance to really make a statement against Michigan State. But Wake still has a ton to play for in the Gator Bowl. They, they absolutely do. And I mean, this is going to be another huge test, another really good, solid defensive line that's going to do, guess what, the same thing you've seen right. now against Clemson, against Pitt. So I ask one more time, please, can we learn from this? Is there some <laughs> kind of adjustment that you can make or are you going to get your quarterback killed time and time again? Listen, Texas A&M has a top 10 draft pick at defensive line. This guy gets after it. He's going to make all kinds of plays. And you've got to have a plan. You have to have a plan in place. And it's it's going to be interesting. Does Wake Forest have it? We'll dive into all that, guys, I promise, uh, with, with all these bowl reviews. We'll touch a little bit today for each of these 10 games. But, man, it, it's exciting. This is one of my favorite times of the year, KG, just because we get such unique matchups. There's a ton yeah. of matchups in here that, A, have either never happened before or B, haven't happened in a very long time. So it's going to be really exciting to see this bowl season. It is. I can't wait. And we have 10 of them to break down. Before we get to the bowl games and kind of run through them a little bit, I want to talk about the things that we were predicting, Mac. Leading passer, leading receiver, leading rusher, turnover margin. You were correct on, I think, all of these. Did you have Pitt winning a turnover margin? Uh, no, I gave – that okay. was the only thing yeah, I gave, gave Wake Forest because I felt so bad. I was like, man, I'm just – I have my blue and gold goggles on. I have to give them something, and I was kind of correct in thinking they wouldn't get any of them, but yeah. I tried. Well, you were right. Leading passer, Kenny Pickett, even though neither of these guys got over 300 yards. And I think part of that – They didn't do what we thought. We, no. They did not do what we thought. Now, Pickett do. still made some plays. Part of it is when you're playing with that kind of lead in the second half – you're going to go a little conservative. And I thought Wake did a good job in the first half, Mac. I felt like at some point Wake pulled the Remember the Titans where they just went, we will blitz all night in the first and second <laughs> Listen, quarter. Yeah, Yes, Wake Force defense played very well. You're right, KG. I mean, that, 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 was, that was honestly their best defensive effort I think we've seen all year, which yeah. is crazy. Maybe outside of Virginia. Virginia was probably the best. But outside of that, this was probably the best, and, and sadly it didn't result the way that they wanted. <laughs> but it's a great sign for the bowl game. It really is. Jordan Addison, leading receiver. I said ATP, or you said Addison. Dude is a freak. The catch he had on the, I guess the way I was looking at it on TV, the right side of the field where he just turned out of nowhere and was able to catch that ball, that was absolutely freaky. KG, we moved on the field. I was right there. It happened no. two feet in front of me. I'm like, 
That's one of the craziest catches I've ever seen in my life. The, the way that he contorted his body, y'all, th there is not a good enough camera. I had to be holding the camera <laughs> for y'all to see how crazy, it was nuts. And he was being held, and then he just manipulates his body to turn back. I mean, it was it was crazy, and I was so lucky to have that view. But I talked about it earlier. I think he's the best receiver in the country. Just the things that he can do, um, it, it's going to be very intriguing. There's a lot of awards coming out soon of who gets what. I think Kenny's going to be in New York. I think ultimately we're, we're going to see mm -hmm. Bryce Young, who just went off in his uh, his championship game there. I think he's going to win it, but I think Kenny's going to be in New York. I think Addison has a really good shot of being the Bolitnikoff. I think he should be. I mean, what he's done, and and that's also my argument with Kenny, and I, I'll get into this another time, but Bama and Ohio State, all due respect, and Bryce Young is a baller. He's incredible. But these are quarterback factories. I think you have to give both Pickett and Addison credit for what they're doing in elevating Pittsburgh. And it, you almost add that on to their numbers, especially with Addison, because his numbers are, are insane. And we talked about leading rusher, Mac. We both said a Banacanda, Izzy to the hizzy. I loved that line, by the way. But really, <laughs> 55 yards, you know, that was it. Neither team was going to run the ball that much. We knew it. But Pitt was able to run it at the end when they needed to run the clock. Yeah, and, and you know, Izzy was actually dealing, it seemed like, with, with a little bit of an injury. It's kind of interesting. Before the game, uh, we had uh, Quint Kesnick come on and, and do a little, you know, field reporter or whatever you want to call that. And he was kind of leading to the fact that Izzy might not play that much. Mm. And I had him as my X factor in the, later in the game. And so I get a text from one of our, our uh, great people that work at the ACC Network, Casey O'Brien. And she said, uh, do you want to still say Izzy as your X factor? He might not play. I'm like, listen, I, I think he's going to. I have a little inside source, and, of course, he goes for two touchdowns. So my X Factor looked really, really good there. <laughs> Mac with the hashtag sources. sources. That's right. That's what he's got. <laughs> Neither of us were right on the turnover margin. In the end, I did say this in our, in our pod on whatever day that was, Mac Friday, that I didn't think Wake could win this game if they didn't win the turnover margin. And, right. I mean, they lost it in excruciating fashion. So that was definitely a, a big issue for them. Yeah, no, no question. And it was tough to watch. And, and really, you know, when you look at what Wake Forest, how they were able to do it, a lot of those turnovers were fumbles. And, and quite frankly, Pitt's ball security was fantastic. They, they had two hands on the football all night long. And, you know, just Wake couldn't get anything going, no momentum plays to be had. And honestly, we, we saw a team like Pitt stand up tall and, and dominate the way that you would think the best team in the conference should. And that's exactly what they did. Mac, before we get to these bowl games, we're going to give initial thoughts on all 10 of them. We have to talk about some of the biggest news in college football. Brent Venables, Clemson's defensive coordinator, has officially left to go become the head coach at Oklahoma. Mac, you were on the team when Brent Venables was a coach. I know he was a DC. You were an offensive player, but you still know him well and, and know what he's all about. What do you make of this move for BV? Yeah, well, I, I was on a team before he was there as well, and, and I know exactly what he means to Clemson. In, in a bowl game uh, that, that ultimately got a defensive coordinator fired where Clemson was hung 70 points on, and, and then Brent Venables comes in and you know really just changes everything for Clemson and really just a huge piece, cornerstone piece of this you know dynasty-ish run that Clemson is on right now and, and just a, a fascinating person, a, a great man, a great leader, um, a guy that is so – passionate and so tenacious loves every piece of a game of football and and just one of the best i mean he before now being a head coach he, he 
was the best defensive coordinator in all of college football. I don't think there's any question of that. If what the results that you see from him time and time again. So I'm very excited for him. I'm very happy for him. I did not think, KG, that he wanted to be a head coach, just knowing all that comes from it. But uh, there, there are certain opportunities that I think God put in all of our lives and, and opportunities that you know he kind of gives to us. And you know, we, we might not think that. Like back in the day, I didn't want to work for ESPN. I didn't think that that was what I you know wanted to do. And then the opportunity was presented to me and it, it can kind of change your mind. But I thought if there was any job that if it would come open and I, I was you know kind of hopeful and thankful that maybe it wouldn't with such a young head coach and Lincoln Riley, um, I thought it would be Oklahoma that, that BV would leave for. And, and I think it's going to be a, a really cool thing for him, his family, kind of a, a reunion of sorts, maybe you know, fixing some bridges that might have been hurt back in the day. You know, the reason that he did leave Oklahoma to come to Clemson and now it's going to be his program. So the funny thing is Clemson and, and Oklahoma play down the road and he should have an experienced and established program by the time that happens. I think it's sometime in the, in 2030, which is crazy. Uh, but it, it's going to be so fun to see him grow. And honestly, now what does Clemson do moving forward? It, it's going to be really interesting to see. You'll probably have all the inside scoop on that with the, the roar and being feet on the ground there. Uh, so can't wait to hear uh, from you guys with what that looks like uh, moving forward. Mac, I'm on my way to the Oconee Airport now to camp out in the bushes. So right. uh, <laughs> I'll give you a live report. <laughs> um, I'm with you on all that, Mac. I think, you know, you talk about just kind of this maybe being meant to be. What are the odds that the Oklahoma job would come open the same right. time that Clemson was not in a playoff? Like, I, I truly right. think the stars aligned and – especially when Venables turned down Kansas State a couple years ago, it felt like the, and that's where he played, it felt like the only job he would leave Clemson for was Oklahoma. There are reports that he turned down Auburn last year. And you feel like Venables, with the competitor that he is, he's not going to leave if Clemson's in a playoff. He's not going to leave Clemson like that. I, I just, I don't think Venables even can, has that in his DNA to well, leave I, I think, when yeah. a team's fighting for a natty. Right. And I think the reason why is he would tell them, I'm not interviewing until after. Right. And then they, of right. course, would be like, well, we can't wait that long and they move on. So, as I said, I think it's a total God thing. I think the fact that they have honestly just, like you said, kind of hit gold here mm -hmm. is something that's going to be very interesting moving forward. And uh, yeah, but wish him the best of luck. Cannot wait to see it. Uh, another branch in the Dabo Sweeney coaching tree here. Uh, not, not too many branches coming off of that, but it, it's going to be fun to see. And Clemson fans, if you're mad, don't be mad at Venables. Don't be mad at Dabo. Be mad at Lincoln Riley. This is all his fault. Okay, let's get to our 10 ACC Bowl games and give a quick thought on all of these, Mac. We've got a, a real spectrum of bowl games here. The first game, I'm going to do these in order of when they'll be played. Monday, December 27th, the Military Bowl, Boston College against East Carolina. Come on, KG. A, a great opportunity for Boston College here. Get another game. Uh, you know, to, to see Big Phil Jerkovic in this offense lead the way. To get to seven wins, I think that's important. Uh, and just get momentum really going into uh, the offseason. Momentum is, is going to be a big word here. And I think that's a very similar thing with Louisville, the first responder bowl on December 28th. Louisville hosting 9-3 and three Air Force. Air Force trying to win at their 10th game of the year. And we saw on Twitter Malik Cunningham said, I'm coming back, y'all. That is great news. So I'm assuming he'll play in this game. And – because you're going to have Malik back, that that makes that momentum piece of this even bigger. 
It's huge. That that's going to be the most important thing for Louisville moving forward is is that guy. And I think it's so good that he committed. But this can be a tough game. I mean, Air Force running the triple option. The good thing for Louisville is it's not like you have a week to prepare. You have a month. And so how how well you know that's going to translate for them to have that practice, get it going. You know, you you don't have that Georgia Tech on your schedule like normal, where okay, we we have some install for this, we have some practice. I don't I don't think they played a triple option team. So this is going to be very different, and I guarantee you that's going to be a very quick game just because of all the running I think we see from both teams. Oh, yeah. Blink and it will be over. No doubt about that. How about – I'm going to read the full name here, Mac. The San Diego County Credit Union Holiday Bowl. Tuesday, December 28th, number 18, NC State, playing UCLA. This is a fun matchup. Mac, I, I'm a, I don't know if you've been to San Diego. I heard EJ's comments on the show. San Diego is the most beautiful place in the United States of America. Uh, barring Hawaii. And so I'm a little jealous of all these NC State people that get to roll out there to San Diego. That's right. It's going to be a great treat for them to go out there. They, they've been in the Gator Bowl a bunch in the state of Florida and a bunch of bowl games recently. So nice little treat. Go out to California, get it done. Uh, this is going to be a fun game, you know, with with defense of, of the physicality from NC State and really the, the smash mouth football we've seen from UCLA. If you guys remember early in the season, UCLA took LSU to the woodshed and just physically destroyed them. So this has the makings to be a really, really solid football game. And NC State trying to win 10 games. I think that 10-game goal will be huge for State. And they've also had a ton of people saying they're coming back and they're going to run it yes. back. So that'll yes. be big for NC State to get a win there. How about the Wasabi? I didn't know Wasabi was sponsoring bowl games. The Wasabi Fenway Bowl played at Fenway uh, Wednesday, December 29th, Virginia against SMU. What on earth do we expect from a Virginia team where it's Broncos' last game, where he's still coaching the game, but he's leaving? It's going to be very strange. And how about the the Boston Red Sox getting in on the bowl game action? They saw the Yankees doing. They're like, hold on, wait a minute, we're going to have right. our own game here too. Uh, but th- th- this is going to be fascinating to see. And we did a great piece with Bronco t- tonight on, or excuse me, Sunday night on uh, the huddle there, and just talking about his mental health and the fact that he. Mm has to step away, you know, for his marriage to, for, for fairness to his wife and thinking that, you know, he needs to re really reevaluate himself as a person. And maybe one day this door will reopen for college football. So I hope that this is really a celebration and, and really just kind of a, a, the end of an era on a high note and not looked at as uh, it's one more thing I have to do. So, and I think it will be that, but you know, and, and this SMU team, uh, you know, coach Rhett Lashley from Miami, you know, moving on to be the head coach, of SMU. So uh, an interesting ACC tie there for this game and you're really going to be fascinating to watch. It will. And then speaking of the Fenway Bowl, we have the new era pinstripe bowl in Yankee Stadium. That's also on December 29th. I love that these games are played on the same day, Mac. Virginia Tech and Maryland, an ACC rivalry of old. Oh, I love it. I like that as well. It's going to be fun to see Virginia Tech really just if they can get some momentum, you know, new coaching staff coming in, I think they feel really good about that. Having Coach Pry come from, you know, Penn State and the, the the momentum that they can maybe get in recruiting, the momentum that they can get putting a border around that state and saying, okay, all this great talent, you're staying right here. A great way to build on that is to get a huge victory in bowl season and, and go into the offseason feeling really good. The world's second best bowl, obviously number one is the Dukes Mayo Bowl, Number two is the Cheez-It Bowl. I have always had a soft spot for the Cheez-It Bowl. Wednesday, December 29th, number 19, Clemson faces Iowa State. Tigers are going for 10 wins, trying to keep that streak alive, trying to have 11 straight seasons with 10 wins. 
first ever meeting between Clemson and Iowa State. And you got a Matt Campbell, Dabo Sweeney matchup. I think that's going to be fun. And then how does this defense look without Brent Venables? Right. Yeah, so might be a nice little audition for somebody who's already on the mm -hmm. staff uh, for, for maybe an, a DC in-house, if that's what Coach Sweeney wants to do. Or does he see, okay, yeah, we got to go find somebody. We, we got to go get somebody who can keep up the same type of tenacity. Um, I, I think with the, the guys that Clemson has, you're going to want to do something or go get somebody, at least if you do go externally, that has an idea of what you did or, or knows or tries to do something very similar just because it has worked so well. And clearly the recruiting ranks uh, show that. But it will be fascinating to see uh, Clemson going for 10 wins, as you mentioned here, finishing the top 20. Uh, real big down year for the Tigers. And there's people that have never won 10 games or have just won 10 games in the first time in their entire program's history. Clemson does that in a down year for the 11th straight year, potentially with a win here. That's a, that's all that needs to be said there, Eric McLean. Okay, for the nation's best bowl, America's bowl, the Duke's Mayo Bowl, Thursday, December 30th, we will have a full preview of this bowl game. Come on. A podcast, an episode that is just only about this game. And this is a great matchup for the Duke's Mayo Bowl, the Carolina Bowl, Carolina versus Carolina. You've got a, a team that is trying to kind of grab some momentum for next year. You've got a team in South Carolina that no one thought was going to be bowling, trying to put a cherry on top of this year. I think it's a really interesting storyline for both teams. I love this. I love this matchup. I love the fact that it's the, the two border war states right next to each other, North Carolina, South Carolina. Winner gets to call themselves Carolina moving forward, and that'll sign the deal that'll be done. If you reference it, you'll know from this bowl game. So – I'm very intrigued to see this, KG. The, the biggest thing that I am going to be watching over the next maybe 36 hours, 24 hours, depending on how quickly things move, does Sam Howe play in this game? Does Sam Howe announce that he's moving on or that he's going to come back? It's going to be very interesting to follow. Uh, I think he should play in this game just because South Carolina's pass defense is so good. This is good tape for him in a year that was maybe under his standards and, and not what he maybe wanted to you really finish with. So I think this could be a great exclamation point on his career. And uh, interestingly enough, the way it started in Charlotte against South Carolina, uh, it, it's fascinating to see that. I feel like I've said fascinating about a hundred times this episode, uh, but I, I can't wait to see it. <laughs> you know, Mac, uh, two things I love about this bowl game. A, if Howell plays, he could get Mayo dumped on him, which obviously he I should think that play. should happen, honestly. Yeah. And we might even... We might have some people on the ground that can make that happen. Mm. I'll have well, to make some calls. We'll talk to people. Secondly, I just want to know if North Carolina wins, uh, what dance moves Coach Mac Brown is going to be ready with because he became a viral sensation with what I call the old man Simon Says dance. And <laughs> now I just I want to see what he has up his sleeve if they win. I'm right there with you, KG. You've got to break it out. It's the anniversary. It's the same place, same opponent. You've got to do it again, Mac. So I hope you're ready, buddy. Sorry, As I was KG doing the Mac Brown. I wish you guys could yeah. see right now. I was doing the Simon Says dance, just touching my <laughs> shoulders. All right, three more bowl games to talk about, Mac. This is the big one, the Chick-fil-A Peach Bowl, December 30th, number 12 Pitt against number 10 Michigan State. I've heard you talk about this, Mac. We all know this with Michigan State. They can run the ball, but defensively they struggle against the pass. So this feels like a, a good matchup for Pitt. Yeah, I'm going to really save a bunch on this game, guys, just because I think it's going to be so intriguing. We're going to go into so much detail, but expect Kenny Pickett to throw the ball all over the yard. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Boom. 
And uh, Chick-fil-A. We love Chick-fil-A, too. Okay. Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. A lot of people thought Clemson would end up in the Gator Bowl, but Wake Forest ends up there. This is a New Year's Eve game, Friday, December 31st. And as we mentioned earlier, we talked about this game a lot. They have a chance, Wake does, to make a statement. Have an 11-win season at Wake Forest against Texas A&M. It's, it's going to be huge. A massive opportunity to play a, a, a good Texas A&M team that's been you know up and down at times. But remember, beat Alabama, uh, was able to get some really big wins here, have a really impressive defense. So this should be a fun game. It'll be interesting to see here for, as well for – you know, Texas A&M, who plays in this game? Do guys opt out? Some of their you know, guys are very highly talented, highly uh, touted first-round draft picks that maybe they play, maybe they don't. So that'll be something to follow. And just what Wake Forest can do offensively, you have to have a plan here because it's going to be a very similar defensive style as you've seen from Clemson, as you've seen from Pitt. And, Mac, last but not least, the granddaddy of them all, the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. <laughs> New Year's Eve, Friday, December 31st. Who in the hell will be coaching Miami? No one knows. Miami versus Washington State. Honestly, this game is worth watching just to see who the heck shows up with a headset on. Yeah, it, it's it's nuts. I mean, that, that situation in Miami right now is, honestly, it's sad, to be quite honest. I, it have is. a coach in place and are actively negotiating and talking with another man who they want to be the head coach, all while at the same time, they have no athletic director. So who the heck is having these conversations? Is it the biggest booster that walked in the room? Like, who the heck's doing this? So it's going to be really weird. Uh, Dan Radakovich maybe the next AD at Miami here. So Clemson just kind of leadership and, and coordinators flocking uh, away right now. So it's an intriguing time uh, for ACC football, for Clemson football especially. But – I'm with you, KG. Who the heck is going to be coaching this game and who's going to be coaching Miami Hurricanes in 22 is going to maybe be. Maybe Tony the Tiger. Maybe you give Tony the Tiger the shot, you know? You can call great offensive plays. Give him a shot. That's all I can say. Also, Mac, are you officially throwing your name in the hat for the Clemson athletic director position? Uh, maybe number two. I don't know if I want to be number one right now. You know, I'm young, not experienced, but. <laughs> I can raise some money, and I'm pretty good with uh, multimedia rights. So I, I think I have <laughs> impact there. And uh, we'll see. It'll be interesting. But, guys, thank you so much for listening. Another great episode of Gramlick and McLean brought to you by our great friends over at Duke's Mayo. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see you all.